We're talking about the kingdom of God as being a central feature of the entire schema of the Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, creation, end of the world, all of it includes the discussion about the kingdom of God. So what you and I are going to look like in the kingdom of God? And and uh, what are some of the features of the kingdom? What does the Bible say about the kingdom of God at this point in time? Stay with us. You're going to get all that. So we're talking about the kingdom of God coming to the earth. That's our subject. The kingdom of God is going to come to the earth, and God is going to rule over the earth. And if you please, he's going to do it through Jesus Christ, which is the visible manifestation of God. So you're not going to see two thrones over here with God the Father and over here with Jesus the Son. Jesus is God manifested. Jesus from eternity is the only visibility of the invisible God there ever was or there ever will be. He is the only visible self, living individual, if you please, self of God that there is. He will reign. However, this reign is not just because sometimes we overlook the importance of Jesus as a man because he was fully God and fully man. And so he's not just reigning as God. In his flesh, Jesus Christ accomplished the triumph over all of the adverse enemies to the coming of the kingdom of God on earth. And there's a whole lot of things about that in the Bible. And he triumphed over that. And the, the biggest thing that was a, uh, an adversary to the kingdom of God coming to the earth is death itself. And so when Jesus conquered death, hell, and the grave, it's like Ted Turner, who set up one of the biggest media, one of the biggest media moguls in America uh, a number of years ago, said, well, I don't follow Christianity because the leader was weak. He was defeated. And um, God bless Ted Turner. That just shows his ignorance of the reality is, is that the only way that death could be conquered is to submit and say, okay, give me your best shot. And so Jesus submitted himself to death and then conquered it and rose from the grave. Now, Ted, I don't know anybody that's done anything close to that, so maybe you want to revisit your theology there a little bit. But the truth of the matter is, is that God is going to establish his kingdom in the earth, and he's already started. We've seen that from the earliest biblical record, God has been uh, moving in this direction. We've seen that from the foundation of the world, the kingdom of God was purposed. And so it's not an afterthought. In fact, those scriptures indicate that one of the purposes of the earth's creation one of the purposes of the fact there is an earth is that God can establish his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. And this is shown throughout the New Testament, throughout the Old Testament, uh, when you look at the installation of the children of Israel in the promised land and setting up the structures for government. Those structures for their government was from heaven, but it was by men. All this was part and parcel of the progression towards the kingdom of heaven on earth. In the days of Samuel, you will remember Israel 
uh, had no concept of the ramifications of asking for a king to be as other nations. It was and is God's intent to personally be Israel's king. And it's also divine intent that the kingdom of God be established among men and that the earth has a human king. And so seeing Jesus as literally both, uh, both God and man now becomes evidence of how this will be done. This birth of Jesus, when you think about it, we celebrate Christmas, we talk about the birth of Jesus, but the birth of Jesus radically advances the concept of the kingdom of heaven on earth. And so how central is this subject to the, the arrangement of the ages that is seen is that in the New Testament, it opens with John the Baptist saying, exhorting to them, repent ye for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And this is the first New Testament announcement of the first coming or advent of the king's first coming to earth. And introducing his ministry, scripture says of Jesus, and I'm quoting, now, after John was put in prison, Jesus came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God. Notice that. He came into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent ye and believe the gospel. So in addition to all of that, the kingdom, while literal, is on a pretty dramatically elevated level of reality than is our present world. And there are mysteries about the kingdom of God even now, which remain ambiguous to us. It's a big, huge subject. In fact, Jesus spoke in parables with the explicit purpose that they reveal kingdom truths to some while concealing them from others. When the disciples ask him, why speakest thou unto them in parables? He answered and said unto them, because it is given unto you to know the, here we go, mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them it is not given. And Mark wrote the same thing. He said, unto you, speaking to the disciples, it is given to know the mystery of the kingdom of God. But unto them that are without, all things are done in parables. So here's a number of things that this tells us. It tells us that the kingdom of God is revealed to some more complete than it is to others. It also tells us that there are mysteries with the kingdom of God. So I think probably that would indicate that none of us needs to be pompous or uh, feel like we have every answer to everything about the kingdom of God because there are mysteries in the kingdom of God. There are some things, the, f the, the further you go into the future, uh, the less detailed, or the further you go into the past, the less detailed things become explicated in Scripture. And so we don't know everything about the future coming kingdom. But we do know a lot of things because the scripture gives us this. And when Jesus talked about those parables, keep those that are without from knowing some of these things, by the same token, uh, it, it 
presupposes the fact that some of us are allowed to see these things. And so he tells the parables that are parables of the kingdom to these men, these disciples that he is discipling. So a staple feature of the teaching of Jesus is references to the coming kingdom. So he says, Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And he goes on in numerous other places and talks about these are things that are indicative of the coming of the kingdom of heaven. Now, sometimes you notice Mark used the, the phrase kingdom of God, and sometimes the phrase is kingdom of heaven, and sometimes the phrase is just the coming kingdom. All of these are indicative of the same kingdom. If there are any nuances in those words, it may be that sometimes at least these are not hard bound rules. Some people would like to make them that, but I think that the scripture itself contradicts that. But the kingdom of heaven sometimes seems to indicate the idea of the the fullness of the kingdom of God or heaven coming to the earth, both in its physical form and both in its spiritual form, which has to some extent already come, to a great extent already come to the earth. And so, uh, but that's not a hard and fast rule. And the kingdom of God seems to be used more often of the kingdom of God as it is presently in our midst. Not a hard and fast rule, but that he is talking about the kingdom of God that is here now. It is a kingdom of God that is with us. It's not always true, but oftentimes it is. We're talking about the kingdom of God that is within us. So the kingdom of God that is within us now is the spiritual feature of the kingdom of heaven. It is the it is the feature about the kingdom of God that will be necessary for anybody to become a part of the kingdom at any time. And that is the coming of the kingdom of God into the hearts of men and women. And so if, if we're listening today, we may have a great interest in knowing about the physical kingdom of God that's coming. We're going to talk about all of those things, and uh, we, will, we will discuss those things. However, we will not be a part of the physical kingdom of God if we are not first a part of the spiritual kingdom of God. For you must be born again of the water and spirit, or you cannot see nor enter the kingdom of God. So all of these things are part and parcel of the kingdom of God. So that applies to you and I right now. This is why our emphasis on revival. This is why our emphasis on uh, soul winning and upon spreading the good news of Jesus Christ. Because unless you have the kingdom of God within you, this is the starting point. The kingdom of God's a profound thing. It's not just a physical king and all of the trappings that we think of when we think of kingdoms today. In its full outworking, in its, what we would call its consummated form, the kingdom will be all of those things. Jesus will be seen when he comes back to set up his kingdom, visibly, 
there will be a renewal of the city of Jerusalem. There also may be the heavenly Jerusalem that is setting out from the new Jerusalem. So when I talked earlier about there being some uh, significant, some dramatic changes in the world as we know it now, it'll still be the earth, but there'll be dramatic changes in the world as we know it now compared to uh, what we were acquainted with. Uh, nevertheless, it'll be recognizable. And as long as man is on the earth, God told Noah, there will be, um, there will be winter and summer, and there will be planting and harvest. And when we go into this deeper in a little while, we will see that all of these are elements of a true earth. They are elements of the earth with humans on it. That the earth is not just going to be all humans transferred into angels and that it's going to be uh, just an extension of heaven. No, the earth is going to have a kingdom that is unique to the fact of humans. And of course, that goes back to another subject. It goes back to the fact that humans are central in the eternal purposes of God. They are central as humans, not as humans turned into angels. So humans will always be humans. Saved, transformed humans, raptured humans, humans who are changed in the twinkling of an eye, they will have a new body. The scripture is clear. We do not know what we shall be like, but we know that we shall be like him. And we know that Jesus has a body. He has a body that still is capable of doing human things like eating and walking and so forth but it also is capable uh, of supernatural things. So all of these things are part of the great future that you and I are going to be a part of, and it's a future that we don't want to miss. So the fact that earth is going to still have earth people, and um, I'm not convinced that there will ever be a time in eternity that there won't be human beings that remain human beings. Now they'll be transformed human beings, and there'll be human beings on a level that you and I have not yet reached because the Bible says that flesh and blood shall not inherit the kingdom of God. <laughs> so it's not bodies that are the motive power of our body is blood running through our veins, all of us, me talking, you listening. But then our bodies will not be motivated or motored by blood and flesh but they will be motored by the Spirit. The Spirit is the source of life. And the Bible says that we are quickened by the Holy Ghost, quickened, which means life-given. And so life is given to us in the Holy Ghost. So we do know that our new bodies will be uh, Holy Ghost-motivated, eternal uh, fuel that we live on. Uh, by the same token, though, don't miss the fact that these are still human bodies, and they will be human bodies forever, a different kind of human body, but we will have a human body. So um, stay with us. We've got some exciting things ahead.